Hey guys, welcome back to the Alpha Artist Podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works, where each week we take something from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. My name is Ben. And Benjamin, it's a new month, it's a new me, it's a new you. We're here. It is a new month? Yeah, it's a new month, man. It's April, baby. Oh yeah, it's been April yeah. for like a week. For it's, it's, it's been April for a long time. It's been time. April for arguably eleven days. It's the eleventh of April. What? Yeah. How did we? Wasn't how is it the we, first? Because we recorded that before when we normally record. Then we uploaded away. it on like. And then the... I uploaded it after the end oh. of April. Well, that's a you, that's a I you did problem. Because I did a scheduling crime. Mm. We had some time travel on our podcast. Um, when it went out on Thursday, but that wasn't when we recorded it, folks. Um, no, we recorded it on. Wednesday. What? Wednesday? Yeah, the previous week. It doesn't matter. There's a week buffer. It doesn't matter. People that see this live get it pretty early. It's not important. Same with Patreons. So, this week and this month, I was like, you know what? It's a big month. We've got Infinity War coming up. We've got all kinds of things. Oh, God. Not Infinity War Endgame, excuse me. Uh... We've got all kinds of big things we're going to be talking about. And we've got a new guest coming up for next week's episode, which is exciting. Does that mean I don't have to be here? No, you'll be here. Oh, God It's a calling guest. Um, Ah. You love it, don't you? Don't you pretend otherwise? Ben loves this podcast, and he would rather be doing literally nothing else except be here, doing more work after work. I could be home right now, lounging, chilling, Just relaxing, lounging. maxing all cool. Said I'm sitting here, yeah, welcome, about to talk about some. Bloody welcome video to my game. fucking life, mate. So we thought, you know what? There's all kinds of things we're gonna be talking about. A lot of legacies. So that's my vague theme for this month. <laughs> we're gonna be <laughs> vague connective yeah. tissue. So you know, given that we talked about Sekiro a few weeks ago, and Dark Souls has been heavy on our brains, we thought, what better way than to discuss a game that's been around for a while, but kind of was pretty popular at the time because there wasn't really anything of the Cells genre out at the time. So we thought, what better way to kick off this month than talk about the legacy of Ashen. Oh, man, get ready for an episode where I haven't... I just know nothing. I can kind of... Look, you've you've played... I've played a good 20 minutes. <laughs> you understand, like, if, if you played the start of it, you understand the basis of the game. Right. There's not much more complexity to it. If no. you played... Um, uh, there is one mechanic that I'll touch on, which is kind of crucial to understanding the way that the the game functions, the way the story functions. Um, but what I will say about this game in general is it's... I mean, obviously, it's an action role-playing game um, made by the New Zealand studio A44. Whee. Set in a sunless world and the grueling strange land where everything seems to erode over time. The Kiwi Boys. There's this weird thing that happened with the game's journalism around this game where no oh. one was talking about Dark Souls. Like, the game came out and everyone was like, oh, it's like a Daisy survival type thing. And I was like, it's not. <laughs> what? Because it's from New Zealand and Daisy's from New Zealand. What? Isn't that Rockets from... Yeah, no, yeah, but what? It was very clearly... Very clearly a Dark, a Dark Souls. Souls thing. Yeah, but they were like... A lot of the press was like, it's got survival elements from DayZ, and then they were like referencing other New Zealand games to prove they could. Like, like it was... They were like, DayZ and uh, Bath of Mexile. Bath, yeah. exactly. But like, it was very weird. So like, I don't know what happened with games journalism when this came out, but everyone kind of lost their minds a little bit um, and just forgot how to talk about games. And, you know... Well, at I least mean, they weren't... I mean, to be fair, anything's got to be better than, than like, it's like Dark Souls. Than comparing Souls. to Dark Souls, yeah. exactly. Which, Surely that's an upgrade. What, one of the things that we'll touch on toward the end of this episode, I suppose, is that there is a definite problem with games journalism and just games discussion in general, particularly games writing, where it's like... Welcome to there is such a artists. Well, there is such a need. <laughs> like, I think that we need to develop better langu- language around what makes games what they are, because Souls-like is not an adequate descriptor yeah. for a video game genre. But I mean, you know, that, that kind of... Uh, terminology has been around since forever you know we had before first person shooter as a term became a thing everything was a doom clone right you you had had your doom clones and 
before a while they were like, oh, we should probably call it something else. Right. And then like you had like Diablo style like dungeon crawls and stuff like that. And lo- yeah. Looting slash and stuff. Looting shootings. Um, I'll, we'll get through the summary to give you an idea of like the way the game plays out and then we can kind of pick through um, what, what I wanted to talk about. Honestly, normally when we do these, the way that I approach the structure of the research I do is that I have a bunch of questions that the thing we consume presents and then I try and answer them through research or through some background kind of right. digging up and trying to work out like, okay, what, what were they thinking? And that usually forms the way that I pick my topics. I mostly have questions. Um, because, <laughs> and I mostly don't have the answers. Well, I think between us, between your game's knowledge <laughs> and then my understanding of storytelling. And you having actually played the game. Uh, yeah, and that, like, hopefully between <laughs> us we can get something out of it. Because right. it's a bit like the Matrix Re- Revolutions, right? It's a really the interesting- what, sorry? Matrix Revolutions, the third Matrix. Like The what? There's a third Matrix movie? I hate that you do this. They're quite good. Um <laughs> It's a, like it's it's one of those things that is a complex piece of art that when you watch it doesn't make any sense and it maybe doesn't actually but it has such potential to that I'm so curious right right um, so but like there's no there's only one Matrix movie just so we're clear yeah go back go back and watch the other two as a grown up I think you'll change the mind. other two there's only one of them dude. Next, I, what I would love is if, if you had a character on the show it was the man that doesn't know what Matrix is at all. <laughs> You're like I don't know what Matrix is. What's the Matrix? Are we in the Matrix? Um, What's Dark Souls? Okay. You play as a nameless wanderer, traveling the sunless land in search of home. At its core, Ashen is a survival exploration game where you take the tools you have and forge your way through the world, battling the strange remnants of a world that's been scorched and building a home at Vagrant's Rest. As the game goes on, you strike out from Vagrant's Rest further, defeating greater and greater foes until you traverse reality itself, confronting the void that lies at the heart of this world. Along the way, you'll investigate murder mysteries, assist grieving brothers in discovering answers about their family, and uncovering quiet, complex narratives about what's occurred in this world before the ash finally fell. Eventually, after your lengthy journey, you'll confront Cisna, the Heart of Darkness. It's kind of it. The game is the game is very. Um, That's it. Video game over. Yeah. The at its core, I think on the surface level too, there's a lot of things we could look at this and go, okay, well, there's not much going on here. Right. Like it just looks like a kind of vanillary, cool aesthetically, visually. It's like this cool, washed out kind of cell shaded watercolor style. Low poly. Low poly. Kind of it looks thing. like Absolver. Yeah. Um, very. When much. I saw it, I was like, oh, it's an Absolver sequel where they actually it's, gave you swords. It's, it's not the not. same studio, which is really weird. Yeah. Um. I'll run you through some of my questions that I don't really have answers to, and you pr- like. We'll see what happens. Well, we might return to them at the end. I just want to plant them in your head at the moment All to right. see if we can get some stuff happening. So the world is this place where there's like no actual sun, and the only light comes from these like great eruptions of ash that you don't see. They're kind of off-screen things happening. Um, what does that have to do with the story? Like it never really connects to the darkness or like Cisna or anything like that. Um, why are there these weird? dragon things in the world why do they help you they're, they're the fast travel mechanic because you get on a dragon and they fly you to the bonfire what's their role in the story do they matter we don't really find out um and getting to the core of these this kind of the, the shadowy kind of void creatures that sometimes inhabit the world and like the dark places in the world um especially like the light and the dark play a big pivotal role in the story one of the key mechanics of the game is the lantern that you have that um the, the game does a good job of like using darkness as an actual like environmental hazard so you need to have this lantern out, which means you can't block when you have it out. And it doesn't give you great light. It's like a real lantern in real yeah. life. Real lanterns, like, you can't see through the, the corner pieces. Right. So it yeah. only gives you, like, around. And you can gradually upgrade it's just a bit it. shit. But it's still not great. Yeah. And you can put it down. But if you forget to pick it up, you have to go buy a new one. <laughs> or, you, like, you know, it's like a really cool, like, right. mechanic. Um, but, you know, and that, that forms a big part of the story. Um, but, like, what does that have to do with the rest of the narrative? And what does that have to do with 
you know, the 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 shadowy creatures. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it never kind of goes anywhere with it. Um, <laughs> and whenever the game, like, you know, why are the lamps an important element? Why is Vagrant's Rest safe? Is it because it's well lit? Why isn't that a main mechanic? My big thesis about the game ultimately is going to be about the fact that you play as an NPC. But we'll get to that because there's a cool, like, little <laughs> twist this game has that fucking blew my mind. Um, I want to talk about the town. Because one of the big differentiators between this game and like a Dark Souls or like a um, like an Absolver game type game like that, other roguelike games that have similar mechanics. Roguelike? Sorry, what? Is that what the word is? Or like corpse um, run? I don't know what the word is. I mean, if you, I guess roguelike, but just yeah, just that mechanic of dying and respawning. They call it corpse run in, in the From Software discourse, where it's like yeah, I corpse running fair. is the mechanic where you die and you have to go back to where you died right. to keep progressing. That's a fair, yeah, that's a yeah. fair name. Yeah. Um, and you have save points along the way that let you go. That mean you have to go back less far. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is like an apt turn of phrase. Yeah, maybe. it's better than roguelike. Roguelike yeah, it kind of quite... implies a hard reset. Right. Upon death. Although, like Moonlighter is a similar roguelike where it's a hard reset upon death, but you're still building a town outside of that. Well, those that's like roguelike elements mm. where, where where you sort of have like progression beyond the roguelike. But you still have the roguelike element. You yeah. still have the the idea of okay. like running, doing a run. Well, I guess for me then the most unique thing about this game versus like something like um the the Souls franchise or like the other kind of similar games we've seen in the time since is that unlike um a lot of these games um, you actually get to see your efforts change the world. It is a lot like Moonlighter. I was talking I, I was I, my plan is to talk to Aaron about it in a part 2, but there are so many elements in this game that very much remind me of Moonlighter. Because as you get through the, the, the game and you kill more bosses and stuff, um, the town, like, starts to be rebuilt around you. Right. So, like, you know, when you kill the first boss, a few more people move in. You kill the next boss. And it's not like, it's not like Bloodborne where just more people join. You kill the next boss and they put up scaffolding. <laughs> and you kill the next boss like, what? and started to fill in the scaffolding. And then right. there's, like, a new campfire. And then, you know, there's a campfire and then they keep building around it. And eventually the campfire, they put boarding and stuff down and it becomes a hearth and an oven. And then that's, right. like, a person's house. And... As you go through the game, like, I was expecting it to be kind of like, oh, there's three things. There are so many different people that keep coming in, new additions and stuff. It's fucking fascinating. Right. And it, you know, the, the ultimately what starts to happen is the more you get into the game, the more, like, you strike out into these increasingly dangerous places, the more homey and comfortable Vagrant's Rest becomes and the more time you want to spend there. Not just because <laughs> there's more vendors and more ways to upgrade your stuff and, like, more options and stuff, but because it feels safe and comfortable. And it's really warm. Com- like, the rest of the world is this washed out gray... Yeah. Like, you know, awful place to be. But, like, Vagrant's Rest is, like, a lot of fires and there's a woman that plays the loot and, like, it's just this warm, like, lovely, wholesome place to be. It's kind of similar to um, uh, Bastion. Have you played Bastion? I haven't. So, Bastion is this really beautiful top-down kind of brawler and it kind of has a similar thing where every time you go out and sort of, like, complete a level, you come back to the hub, the mm-hmm. hub area called the Bastion, I think. Um, and, yeah, you get a sort of... Each like level lets you build like a new a new building, but mm. even like beyond that, every time you come back, there's usually like some more dialogue that you can have with the narrator, who's like the best part of the game. Mm-hmm. And there's there's like more, you know, there'll sometimes be like more characters there, and there'll be like more stuff to do, and yeah, like you know, things like mechanical things like upgrades and actual stuff that mm-hmm. you go and do because you want to improve your character. But then just Stuff that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like homey, kind of nice. You're it's just, just very, like, like, I don't want to go out there anymore. Scary. It's scary. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does something that Dark Souls has never managed to as a franchise, which is make the hub area, whether it's like Firelink Shrine or whether it's like Majula, make them feel like a place that you want to spend time in. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, they they try. Like Dark Souls 3 is such a, you know, the filing shrine at dark souls 3 has like so much to it like even but you don't want to the thing is you don't want to be there 
But I think another problem is that in Dark Souls 3, when you when you arrive in Filing Shrine, everything is there. Like, there's, like, two or three characters that you have to go out and actually find. But, like, you've got, you know, you've got your uh, blacksmith, you've got your random just general store you've got your magic which is well oh, magic's no, well, pretty like, easy you, to get you f- well you f- you find the magic the pyromancer and the miscellaneous yeah. shop dude yeah um but well, even, the, even the old lady is already was always there uh the, well there's, no there's a she's like the weapon there's a bandit thief you can get later right on. yeah um but no you're right and then you can add but then but then the thing that docks three days you can add more depth them by getting them tomes they'll let them access they'll let you buy more items and shit. yeah but that's like it's like a purely mechanical thing it doesn't there's no there's no part of filing shrine that i go to when i feel that I want, like, I don't feel at home there. It feels like a, feels like a, 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 a small corner of a dying world where everything's already happened, and you're, you're, you're taking up, you know, literally, Dark Souls Three is about you, like, discarding, like, the idea of kings and stuff, and you literally start the game. Your main place is a fucking X throne. Yeah, like it's very symbolic, but it doesn't like, I don't, I don't feel anything about. Fire I feel like, Shine. Well, I feel like one of the homiest places, like, <laughs> homiest places in the Dark Souls franchise is like, the um the the blacksmith in dark souls one mm-hmm. the first one you sort of meet after undead bird oh, like so. that just like tower where it's like bonfire at the top middle floor is just like empty or whatever and the bottom floor is just the, the blacksmith yeah, the blacksmith like that area is so for me at least it's so homey and comfy because it's just like any direction isn't particularly dangerous but like you just got this little tower of and you can you can go see of- onion boy if you want you yeah, just- it's, it's a little bit of safety in a terrible world yeah and whereas when you got like a dark souls 3 they're just like they're very grandstandy about like here's here's your house welcome to filing shrine you're like again like filing shrine in dark souls 1 is like a fucking desolate place full of literally enemies like technically they're all bad guys i mean Spoiler like alert. filing shrine um, has enemies around it in dark souls 3 it's not like but Maggio- it's but it, but the, the the characters who inhabit <laughs> filing shrine in dark souls 3 are allies whereas you play dark souls one enough and you walk around filing trying you're like i hate every single one of you and also like, every time you walk past the them worst. you're like are you gonna stand up and stab me or it's just whereas like i hate all no of one you. in no one in dark souls 3 feels like the like first that. human you meet in dark souls one just laughs at you and you're like i don't like you man right and i guess my point Even is that you're not technically evil i don't like you. there's there's a warmth <laughs> and a quiet like dark souls 3 is quiet or the dark souls franchise in general is quiet in a way that's very confronting and depressing whereas ashen Ashen is quiet in this way that is very, like, melodic. Like, uh, sure, it's melancholy, and sure, it's like this, you know, everything is very dark or whatever, but it has this um, has this stillness to it that the Souls franchise never quite got to. And I think maybe they didn't want to, or maybe it was just something they weren't interested in, but in comparison, because I've been playing a lot of Sekiro, and then I've been playing mm. this for the research for this, and Sekiro is a very extreme example of... It's like at the other end, as you were saying when we did our Sekiro episode, it's like you make those action games bend so far back they become Souls-like. Yeah. Whereas this is like the opposite direction where it's so quiet and very Journey-like. Like the game Journey reminds me a lot of Journey, but you bend it back enough that it almost becomes like an action game again. Right. It's kind of interesting. And there's more parallels about Journey we'll talk about later, but it's... There's this sort of, there's no like pseudo diegetic, like wow, when you do like a parry or whatever. It's just, you know, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that it just, noise. The yeah. game just is there and it just is ready for you. And the music, oh my God, the music in this <laughs> game is beautiful. I sometimes, when I'm playing it, I will just fuck around for like 10 minutes walking from, like, I could fast travel, but I don't want right. to because the, there is this, I don't know how they do it, but they make the music sound like it's the wind, but it's also music, but it's also like a piano, where it's like so, like almost diegetic, and it's like almost in the game world, but it's almost not. Right. Where you're like, is this, is this 
piano sound I'm hearing coming because of the wind going through that. It's mountain, like it's like know. Zelda. Oh it's like yeah, Breath of the Wild. You know where, especially in that game where we're walking through and you've got all this, yeah, this music that just like flows with the wind, and then you'll be walking along and you'll meet the uh, the bird guy who plays the accordion, which is actual diegetic mu- music, but mm. it, it it flows in so well. We're like the soundtrack. Oh. Yeah, it, it flows in so well with the soundtrack that it, it makes the soundtrack feel more more like it's part of the world. more like it's part of the world. Yeah, yeah. and that's such a special thing to do. And I, this game is like honestly like man, now I want to play Zelda some more. Yeah, I just want to. I'm like I want to play Breath of the Wild. Um, <laughs> but like I don't know this this as a as a piece of um this piece of media that like is by an independent you know studio and like has it's it's not it's not a triple A game. It's very much a middle market game, yeah. which we're running out of pretty quickly. Um, it is something very unique in that way, where it is very quiet, it's very like meditative, but not in that like vague souls way. But I've played through the game and I've beaten it now. And oh the, my god! Yeah, is it not very long? <laughs> no, it's pretty long. But I've been playing it since like the start of the year. Oh, right. right. Um, I and and what, I haven't. <laughs> and 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 it, 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 the vagueness in this game doesn't necessarily service the story in a way that's interesting. So in Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, all of the kind of Miyazaki games. One of his big things... It is Miyazaki, right? I always get that wrong. Yes. One of the things <laughs> One of the things that he's interested in, and because he talks about it as being a kid, when you read difficult books, the thing it teaches you is to like persevere and work stuff out. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what the From Software games are about. It's about working it out for yourself. Um, here, his big quote is like, you have to... like the thing that makes games fun is the same thing that makes reading stuff fun when you're really young. You don't know any better, so your brain, ha- you have to actually actively be a participant in working things out. This game has just enough to work out that I'm interested in the world, but not enough in the game that it feels like the vagueness is well served. So, for instance, you, when you work out that Cisna is going to be the big bad at the end, um, and, and you're like, oh, cool, like that's a really interesting twist, because like you know there's the Cisna's relative was helping you the whole time but then it never goes anywhere because you kill Cisna and there's no second form there's no revelation you just do it and that's it right uh, like it doesn't there's, there's no even if it was like even those vague endings in those Souls games where in Dark Souls 2 you sit on the throne of one and you restart the cycle or in Dark Souls 3 you light the flame and you don't or like those cycles that are interesting there's no compelling hook here where you go oh that says something about the journey I was on like it, it just kind of it kind of ends and you're like oh I guess it's done Right. Um and and that 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 brings me conveniently to my kind of central thesis which is what I said about you playing as an NPC. And this is going to be for two reasons and in okay. two ways and I, you might be interested in this cuz it's kind of a wild <laughs> mechanic. So <Yep. laughs> one of the game's hidden mechanics that exist by default is that for their co-op rather than being summoned into a world, you are an NPC in someone else's world. Right. But you don't transition, you just are in their world. So you still look like you. You play your game as normal. Yeah. But someone else in their game can be playing along with you and you can just be in their world as an NPC in that world. Right. But you look like one of the default NPCs, like one of the 12 NPCs. You just become one of them depending on who's supposed to spawn in that area. Okay. I'll try and explain it. <laughs> so Derek Bradley, who was the creative director of the game, he says, right. it's kind of confusing, but when you play it, it's so natural that people don't even notice or care. And the rock paper, this rock paper shotgun article explained it really well. So I'm going to quote that article. Quote, but once you take up a quest, Jockle, who's one of the characters, accompanies you. And it's here that control seeds from programming to another player. Seamlessly. On the flip side, from that other player's perspective, they're still in control of their own protagonist while it's you controlling Jockle. You'll both think you're the hero when you're playing with each other. It's quite an interesting technology to get players to unknowingly roleplay. Right. So you see a character, you see one of the NPCs that's always bumming around with you. Yeah. Fuck off and do something else and you follow them. You're like, what are they doing? Or... 
the NPC is like, hey, we're going here. And they just start walking that way because it's another player knowing where they're going. Right. It's such an interesting idea. <laughs> um, it's sneaky asymmetrical multiplayer. Like, I didn't yeah. know it was in the game until I read the article. And then I looked back at some of my recorded footage and I was like, that's a dude. Right. I could tell. I was like, oh, yeah, he was fucking around. Or I was being, like, being a weirdo. I was like, oh, that guy was running to the objective because he knew where he was going. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Like, that's such a cool thing to sneak It's kind of wild, yeah. And it's on by default. Like, you have to turn it off actively, so you just don't notice. Um, <laughs> and you will, once, you will once play the hero and the supporting character. And more from the Rock, Paper, Shotgun article. Um, Braley talks me through one early scene with Jockle, where he asks you to help him find his brother's lockbox. Quote, The way we've written it means he's very engaged in wanting to find the lockbox. But at the same time, if I lead him, it's not character-breaking. But if he leads me, it makes sense in the story, he says. It potentially means you could be teamed up with a Jockle who knows the path and will gladly lead the way... Or in another run, he might not be—he might not be sure at all. In which case, you take the lead. <laughs> or no doubt, for players on day one, it may just be the blind leading the blind. "Quote: In that case, he is literally an NPC looking for his brother's lockbox, but he doesn't know he's an NPC." <laughs> Bradley laughs. That's the magic. The same quest gets played out different in organic ways. That is a fucking that's crazy nutty. thing to put in your video game. Yeah, that's crazy. They didn't talk about that at all before it came out. <laughs> it was just in the game, and it was only afterwards. I probably would have played it if I knew What this. a cool... I would have been like, this is the coolest video game that I've ever heard of. Yeah. What a buck wild idea, though. Like, that That to me, I'm like, okay, well, this isn't a fucking Souls clone. They were trying to do something else. Yeah. The whole thing is a weird Turing test, because the default <laughs> setting slots you into games seamlessly, and the other way around. Ultimately, it's like an experiment to see if you can invest in NPCs that turn out to be real people. Right. Like, isn't that so weird? That's I just odd. What a bizarre, like... It's the the reason... I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy, because the reason that they probably wanted to keep that under wraps is because people would 100% just pervert <laughs> this... Well, fuck around, man. Yeah, people would just ruin it. So you gotta, you got to hide the fact. It's right. almost like how, um, how Journey, you know, in that... And again, yeah, I can see why you're pulling parallels to Journey, where... I guess in that game, the the way the reason why it works is because there's so little interaction and there's so little that you can. Oh, actually... Did you want to explain the co-op in Journey? Just the top level. Uh so Journey is just like a. Uh, I guess like it's one of the OG walking sims. Yeah, it's a walking simulator. Yeah, but other like, people can kind of transition into. Yeah, it. and you, you're you're this na- like nameless, faceless character who can't. You can you can only like run around and jump, and you just kind of move through these environments. It's really pretty and stuff. And yeah, they do like seamless multiplayer where they'll sort of they'll kind of make players sort of like meet and then you'll sort of walk move through the the world like together but like there's no real there's no like co-op because all of, everything you just kind can of exists in the world yeah everything can be done solo so you just kind of move through with someone and then you part you know, ways and then you part point. ways and you'll meet someone else and yeah that's literally just like that's the game it's but the cool thing about this one is like like it's like then it's just they just didn't tell the anyone little yeah and but, but the, the other thing is that the only reason it works in this game versus other games like if, if you did this in dark souls the thing that would trip you up is that someone would bust out a spell and you go wait that npc is not a pyromancer right but yeah. the thing about this game is there's such limited options there is like and one of the actually one of my favorite things about it is there's no, there's no swords right it's just because what and the, the reason is like humans didn't advance that far in civilization before the ash fell yeah. So they don't have swords. They just have axes and shit before this magic stuff happened. Clubs. Just cool stuff. and like interesting and like cool. Yeah. But there's no like magic magic. It's like you can heal with the with like they're like 
SS Vods. You can heal with this like gourd thing that you have. Um, gourd! And you, you can gourd a slick sick Um And that's like, you know, you can throw, sp- any character can throw spears. NPCs can throw spears. Right. You can throw spears, stab with, a, like hit with a weapon, like, or yeah, use a shield. A right. That's kind of it. So when it, when an NPC, and I'm just thinking about it now, like through my play experience, it didn't register as weird when Jockle took out a two-handed weapon instead of a one-handed. <laughs> right. But even though like you'd always use it to like, you know, the one-handed before that's kind of wild yeah like it doesn't your brain doesn't go wait he can't do that because there's not enough options for that to be right so it's just like it's like they which makes me think that it was such a deliberate choice to try that idea yeah and then they just put a game around put a game around it (laughs) which i always wonder like that building a game that way sometimes works really well but sometimes doesn't yeah and i think it well they clearly given like the narrative kind of just ending and stuff it almost seems like they had this cool idea and they were just like well let's just build like the bare minimum mm-hmm. to kind of make this idea work and then just flesh it out with some general yeah kind of interesting stuff here and there make it look good sell it as a souls like it'll it'll make money yeah and it, the, I, I think one of the normally when we talk about games like this my biggest thing is like they had a lot of potential and they could have like if they invested in the writing and the narrative i think it could have really become something um and normally i have like a monologue at the end where like i try and tie it all together to like make something meaningful of the fact that it didn't kind of go anywhere yeah and that sometimes that's fine you can just do a thing for the sake of doing it and whatever but i wonder if an idea is an idea like this requires people not knowing it exists to prove that it works but at the same time, but, uh, if- yeah. But as soon as you, as soon as you acknowledge the existence of it, it, it kind of the magic kind of fizzles out. Mm. Like it's, it's almost, it's a, it's like a narrative tr- twist that's like built into the mechanics. And while, like, as a media consuming society, we're sort of we've developed kind of like, like techniques and like social rules around like like spoiling narratives you know the idea is just like oh don't spoil me i haven't seen the film or this that and the other whereas like with games or like with mechanical ideas there isn't that kind of there isn't like that same level of um i guess like respect i guess i i would like for some games there are but it's it's always the really wiggy out there where where people would just say look at nothing and play this so game. There, whereas, there is, like, there's like people are pretty good with our Sekiro playthrough about telling me just enough to be like, okay, go this way. Yeah, but, but like, but they're not they're not telling me like, oh, you need to like go this place to unlock this new skill tree. They're just like, hey, heads up, like. But it's like you know, if, if you're talking about like Game of Thrones, if you're like, if someone was just like, oh, I don't, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. What's it like? Someone would be like, oh, it's this really cool fantasy thing. It's really cool, interesting, really cool, and you can great. describe it without ruining. You can anything. describe it, and it's like. Even though it's, like, so spoiler-heavy, like, there's still ways to describe it, whereas, like, you know, if someone was just like, oh, what's Pony Island like? I would be like, read nothing and just go play it. Go play it. Because <sighs> it's, like, mechanically, it's hard to describe. When when you talk about games, everyone's just like, oh, most you, people well, you, you did that with about- You did that with um the the um the French dude, the French Tarantino, what's his name again? Oh, uh, uh, Quentin Dupieux. Quentin Dupieux. You did that with his one about the, the tire. Right, I was and then just also like, the just one don't at, look at anything. And also the one about the um wrong. About yeah. wrong. You just said don't don't watch just watch the thing. Yeah, because there's no there's no way to describe those films without ruining some without of Without kind of what ruining it what it's what it's interesting. And uh, is 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 that the I mean cuz I imagine Well, I I, I almost well, feel like Ashen is is actually succeeding in this regard because if you were to describe Ashen to someone you'll say it's a souls like it's just like a pretty interesting souls like and it would high it would it would give them an idea of oh it's that's a game it that I might like twist. but it doesn't tell you 
It doesn't give away a mechanical... It may, you know, narrative, you know, narrative twists and, like, the ending of Dark Souls 2, like, that's a bit of... You're like, what the fuck? But, like, yeah. you can explain Dark Souls 2 without giving away the narrative twist. Mm. But, like, this this game manages to... And, I mean, part of it is because they probably didn't tell anyone because the media would just fucking spoil it for everything yeah. if they did. Because um, cool mechanics become bullet points, whereas, like, cool storylines are just shrouded because people have this idea of just like, oh, don't spoil the storyline. Right. It's like, maybe don't spoil the game mechanics. Here's the problem, though. Like, I wish I wish I had played Titanfall 2 organically without realizing how much of a buck wild time it was. I still had a good time. The minute the, I won't spoil it, but the minute you know about the central conceit of that story... Of what, Titanfall 2? Or yeah, actual, Titanfall 2. Right. You're like, dude, they put that in a shooter? Like, it's cool. Yeah. Like, the twist they put in, you're like, oh, they do that. And yeah. they do it well, and, like, it's cool. But I... I I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been working with um I've been thinking about this a lot when I'm talking to to Solo from Horror Show about some of the stuff we've been doing and one of the things that we discussed is that when they put out a record so I think it goes for music as well when they put out a record tends to be there's a central theme that he's writing about that has come up in his life at that point subconsciously right. you know they write a record over two years and it happens to be about previous one was about like death and transition Oy. the new one is about something else that I that we won't talk about but because it's sort of you know NDA and stuff like that but um tends to be that stuff is like a central theme right right? and what tends to happen is if you tell someone it's about that that's all they see like they can't see the forest of the trees they're like like oh like bardo state like if you listen to the record bardo state by horror show and you know what the bardo toddle is and you know that nick wrote that album and it ended up being about his struggles with like trying to be in the world and trying to find a way to do that in a way that feels like organic and a way that feels like you can be happy or like be exist without being miserable and then the implications of death upon that like if you if someone told you that going in i don't know you don't get the joy of discovering that yourself you don't get the interest you don't get the interesting like moments where right um or if like if if you watched and if you watched like an explainer video about a song before you listen to it right before you listen to it yeah (laughs) um so like there's a there's a line in astray where it's like um i can hear the sirens calling and it, yeah. it's a double meaning. It's supposed to be like sirens, like the police sirens, but sirens like sirens, like seductress, yeah, yeah, yeah. like sirens yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I wrote a whole video about it, put it out, have been talking to Nick about that song for two and a half years now. And the other morning on the phone, I was like, oh, it's sirens, like sirens, like seductresses. And he was like, yeah, I'm like, I didn't realize <laughs> that was a double meaning. Like yeah. I went that long. It didn't, it didn't click. And that's a cool realization to have because no one said, well, the album is about these things. Like if they said it was about the, the parallels. about of- old pirate mythology. Yeah, or the album's yeah. about, like, trying to not give in to, like, stuff. That would oh, okay, right, right, that away. Right. Like, like, there's that. a thematic thing about that. But, like, I don't know, there's something interesting in that it is harder with game mechanics. Like, I, the first time you play, I, the closest analogy I have is Demon Souls, when it came out, the first time you respawn, like, when you die and you respawn and you go to, like, the um, the dream, the, 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 right, the yeah. whatever the dream's called, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> or the Nexus, I think it's called. You're like, what the fuck? And this yeah. person's like, yeah, dude, you're gonna keep dying and coming back, and you're like, what? Like it's like, like, what? like it's that's that's the twist, right? That's yeah. a cool twist to have in a game. It's like Dark Souls three when you first pop an ember, yeah, and you're like, dude, what the fuck? That's dope. And it's those mechanics and those twists, or you know, when it was like when we were playing Sekiro, and there was a boss that I killed second try. She fucking came back. She came back. We were, we're like, like, oh god, two health bars. And it was a cool, fun twist. But if someone had said every boss in Sekiro dies twice. He would have ruined that for me. I don't know right. if that's still true or not, but like, th- you're right. There is something very different about mechanics 
where in the sh- in the way that we describe video games from a marketing perspective, it doesn't necessarily do those games justice in the sense of like the things that make them interesting are those cool realize those organic realizations. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution for that, but it is something that like that is kind of crazy. But that can kind of conveniently brings me to the thing I wanted to kind of finish up on and wrap up with, which is it's been ten years since Demon Cells came out. Wow. Wow. Which seems like it's been way longer, given how it far does, those games have yeah. gone. Um, and those games are about cycles and endings, and Ashen's about cycles and endings, and the, the, all of those corpse born, oh, sorry, the, all of those corpse run, corpse, corpse, I love it. Corpse run Soulsborne games are all about like the cycles and death and coming back. And Ashen is really hard; like it's a hard game. Like it's it's as difficult as Dark Souls One, probably. It's because it's, it's very esoteric and very weird, um, and I don't know. It's no. It's no coincidence in a game that is that hard. Those ideas of like vagueness, light and darkness. You know, Dark Souls is a lot about like the first flame and fire and darkness and that kind of yeah. thing. It's a big theme in Ashen as well. It's like light and dark and ash and like obscuring the light and things like that. Um, and like inner dark, inner darkness and things like that. Um, and you can beat this game and play it again and get something different from it. Same with like a lot of those kind of games, but. It's weird that in a game which is, especially in this type of genre, which is very much about suffering and struggling and like really like overcoming obstacles, like just through like sheer will and willingness to unpack and work things out. Um, and like we talked about with Sekiro, like there was a moment where it clicked, like, and yeah. you saw that when I was playing and I was like, oh, now I get it. And, but you have those moments over and over again as you play where you start to understand more and more of it. But Ashen, I didn't really have that. I didn't really have a moment where I was like, oh, I get it. I just picked it up because I played Dark Souls 1 and I was like, I can do this. Yeah. Right. But the thing that was interesting is as much as I had that, it didn't take away from like the wonder and the joy that I had because it was a bit like playing Ashen is a bit like how I remember what Dark Souls 1 felt like. If I go back and play Dark Souls 1 on my Switch now, which I do very frequently, um, it, it, it feels like playing an old game yeah playing ashen feels like what i remember dark souls being like right yeah. and for a game that's for for a game in a genre that's about like memories and echoes and like time becoming really soft and like the past coming back and the future kind of being this immutable thing it's really cool that like not just that the game can make me feel that but that i think the game is that it's saying hey remember like how whenever you summon someone in dark souls you know, when you summoned, whether it was another player or an NPC, that you felt this great relief that you had someone in your corner to back you up. The game has that, and the NPCs are that, but sometimes it's someone in control, like another player. Yeah. And it adds a level of intrigue and kind of an investment that you have in those NPCs. You go, oh my god, Jockle's really on his shit today, like he's really helping me out. There's something very earnest about that that I love. Like it's very, I don't know, like that combined with the Vagrant's Rest, where it's this homey place. It's a game that, as much as it takes place in this depressing world, I find it really like heartwarming that a studio put that much faith in people's ability to connect with each other <laughs> unwillingly yeah and and people's ability to invest in stories and characters and because you do you invest in those npcs you help jockle like go through and like find out the mystery of like where his brother died and like what's happened to his family and at the end he's like i couldn't have done this without you and you've seen him grow and progress and if you're lucky enough to get another character another player character who's really good he's like a great help in boss fights and you always have some the thing about Ashen is there's always someone with you. There's always a companion. And there's something very earnest and lovely about that that I don't know. I think it's very easy to look at something like Sekiro and be like, it's a weeby, it's weeby Japanese shit. And it is, right? <laughs> it's absolutely that. But to play something like Ashen where it's just like this earnest kind of thing that's looking at well, what how do we connect to each other 
and what does that mean in a video game setting? Um, can we connect without talking just by like the shared goal of like doing a thing and not realize the whole time that we were connecting with both a person and a character? That's such a unique thing to do. And I don't know. I think games like this are so important and we need that middle market. I think this is a good example of like we should like play these games, play Metro Exodus, play this, like play these games that are doing something that is different to AAA because I fucking love it and like I respect the hell out of them for making this. And yeah. I respect the hell out of like the publishing wing for being like, yeah, this is a risk we're willing to take and and that's really cool. So I don't know. That I, I guess that's kind of where I want to end my thoughts. I, I really like this game. It's not amazing. I'm not gonna like put my David Doxel stamp on it or I'm like this is part of that <laughs> that legacy, but it does something different and it does it in a way that is fucking earnest. And that deserves a fucking award. Yeah. Because the world's a weird place right now and we need more stuff that believes in people. So I'm totally behind this, and I really appreciate what they were doing. Jeremy, Do recommendations for this week? Uh crap. Uh, King Gizzard is releasing more music slowly. Have you been getting through the new stuff? The new stuff. As it trickles in. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're sort of doing like one song like every couple couple weeks. It seems seems like they're gearing up for a new album. New album. Yeah. Not a huge fan of it yet, but uh, we'll see. I listen to their old stuff a lot. Yeah. Um, and they're just more Evangelion. We're slowly <laughs> making our way through that anime garbage. Still, that's. That's it. That's all I do. I want to shout out um, James Allen McCune put out a his first video on a series he's been working on, which is sort of like a I would describe it as like a Shane Dawson type documentary series. Was it that one hour video you linked yeah. me that I haven't watched. I would yet? describe it as like yeah. a Shane Dawson type thing, except it's that got a bunch of YouTubers. It doesn't it? have any of the I don't know. It's it's all of the people that I normally watch on YouTube, but yeah. it doesn't have any of that like. I'm very important. Shane Dawson is a very important dude in YouTube, I and like really and he over dramatizes everything. Like Shane Dawson. James Allen McCune, his whole point at the end of that video, and it basically he looks at the guy who used to run Sword and Scale, which is the yeah. uh, true crime podcast, and the whole his whole point at the end of it, which I love, it's very in line with what we what we do, is that discourse is important, and you should talk about stuff instead of just making snap decisions. Right. And I fucking love that. He's, <laughs> and like I love James Allen McCune, I love the the people in it. It's, it's got Gus Johnson, Gus it's got Eddie Johnson. Burback, it's got my boys from Sugar Pine, Kib, yeah. Steve, um, James yeah, D'Angelo. I've been, uh, been meaning to watch it. Yeah, definitely check it out. I. Couldn't recommend. I sat on the couch and watched the whole thing in one sitting with a beer last night. It's fabulous. I really yeah. love it. So I'll link that in the show notes. I really recommend it. Um, otherwise, I kind of haven't been doing a lot of media except Ashen because I was trying to finish it before this podcast. Yeah. Um, definitely recommend Sekiro, and I recommend our Sekiro playthrough on the Coffee House channel. Just get that plug um, right in. Get that plug, plug right it in up. there. Um, check it out. It's been good fun. Well, because I was going to recommend the game, but honestly, I can just recommend you watching <laughs> us play the game. Um, Otherwise, where can people find us? Facebook. At DCMworks Social. YouTube. YouTube.com slash DCMworks. Twitter. At DCM underscore works. Patreon. Patreon.com slash DCMworks. Uh, our tiers start at $3 a month. You can subscribe to us there and get access to all of our content. And then at $6 a month, which is our next tier up, you get a bunch of cool bonus stuff and some extra behind the scenes. Uh, you also get access to our post show, which you can only see if you're watching live or if you're a Patreon. Extra 20 minutes of these handsome boys. Oh, God, I can't imagine it. Doing it right now because you're ready for bed or like you can't imagine how good value that is. I can't imagine watching 20 minutes more of this yeah. as a viewer. You know, the thing you're supposed to do is like promote the thing people pay for no you you're pr- oh you sorry i was it. doing you provide the balance. i'm the guy on the other side you're, of the, you're the other you're the yeah. you're the um I'm the devil's advocate you're the ned in the spider-man situation you're the guy right. in the chair yeah. um absolutely uh yeah check that out otherwise you get access to over 60 uh, plus episodes of behind the scenes content as well as all kinds of different projects and you get a dis- discount on my book which you can buy at mainartrick.com it's this, this this boy here that's um, that looks like a book to me that's a book uh it's it's my book um 
I've written a bunch of terrible ones. This is the first good one. You can buy it at mainartrick.com. And if you use code AFAPOD, you get 15% off the digital download. Otherwise, it's sold everywhere online where you would normally buy books, Amazon, iTunes, all those places. The audiobook is coming out soon. Um, Pat and I just have to finish the editing and then get the reshoots done. So keep an eye out for that as well. <laughs> reshoots. Um, and then book two, hopefully, in a few months as well. So it's exciting. Oh, my um, God. Just keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, book numero dos. Book numero dos. It's I'm really excited about it. It's really different and really fun. So I'm very excited. Um, otherwise, if you want to follow us individually, I'm at DCMI Hit Pie. I'm at Literal Citrus. We will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.